It's show 165 of the RIM Pro Report today, the European Roundtable, and the latest industry news. The show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I just noticed yesterday morning on LinkedIn, Alan Robinson, the Director of Education Services with O'Neill, posted the updated 2014 classroom schedule. I note that for you because if you're an O'Neill partner, it's actually worth attending those. But more importantly, what's cool about O'Neill is their focus and dedication on continual training for their client partners. It's something that sets them apart. And if you're interested, you can learn more about the classroom training and more about O'Neill by visiting them at O'Neillsoft.com. So little boy says to his mom, can I have a dog for Christmas? His mom responds, no, you can have turkey like everyone else. But um bum Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Yep, Adams. it's me, and there's more bad jokes where that comes from. I can, yeah, I've got lots of them, and, and really it's best that I don't use them ever because they're not really that funny. And yes, it's the most wonderful time of the year, or some think it is, and uh, others are actually definitely that a little bit this this week it's been sure a crazy weather week for a lot of people throughout the u.s europe and other places colds and storms and flight delays and a whole lot more happening uh, that uh, continues to affect everybody i hope in whatever weather situation you are in that you are safe and prepared for the holiday season ahead i know that it seems uh, like a lot of things happen these last few weeks of the year, this holiday season with parties and travel. So be careful out there, Rim Nation. We've got important work to do in the world. In the last three weeks, I replayed three interviews I did on the stage of the European Information Management Conference. The event, which was hosted by NAID Europe and PRISM International, was held in Amsterdam early in November. If you missed any of the previous shows where I actually interviewed uh, CEOs and executives, some of the major, some of the larger companies in Europe, uh, Anthony Pearlgood from uh, PHS Data, uh, Mark Delay of Iron Mountain France, and uh, Dennis Barnett of C, the CEO of Oasis um, Group. Uh, th those were all interviews I conducted. And so if you want to listen to those, you can go back and listen to the previous shows. But after I interviewed each of them, I brought them all together on the stage and did a roundtable discussion with all of them together. And so today to conclude this final part of this little sort of episodic series from Europe, uh, I'm going to replay that discussion with you. But before I queue up the roundtable replay, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. Hey, in the biggest news of the week, Recall went public on the Australian Stock Exchange. They were spun off from Brambles. Out of the gate, CEO Doug Pertz is talking acquisitions. At the end of the first day of trading, stock prices were trading at approximately $4.50 a share, giving the company a valuation of about $1.4 billion. Congratulations, Doug. Doug Pertz and the company on going public. And I think it only right to say, let the acquisition games begin again in 2014. Not that they had stopped or even slowed down, but it looks like 2014 will be an interesting one with a recall ready to do some buying. Nade has had another great year in 2013. 
Up till now, the association has added 156 new member locations, which means they have over 2,000 member locations worldwide. In September, they also exceeded 1,000 AAA certified locations across the world. All that to say, a really great year for Nade. So congratulations to Bob and the entire team at Nade. Freightways of Auckland, New Zealand announced the acquisition of two document destruction businesses. The first was Advanced Document Destruction Services of Sydney, Australia, which also has operations in Melbourne, Canberra, and Brisbane. They also acquired DocuShred based in Hastings, New Zealand. So congratulations to Freightways. Finally, I uh, tried to touch base with our friends in the Philippines at Lane Archives to ask about their situation after the typhoon. Teresa Toyne responded and let me know that while they had been lucky, uh, at the business, extended family of staff were definitely affected. Lane has worked hard to help stockpile and support the relief efforts. But the issue Teresa said that they were dealing with was trucks, trucks. It's hard to get supplies to the people who need the most. Those who own trucks are charging an exorbitant fortune to deliver things. Gas prices are high, but the need is still great. So Lane Archives is working to try and buy a truck for around $16,000 just to help the relief efforts. If there is a way you think you might be able to help them or support them and, and you feel like that's something that of value to you, let me know and I'll connect the dots to you for or to them for you. Uh, and uh, finally, a big shout out uh, to a regular guest and contributor here on, on the show, Tom Dumez, who celebrates his first year officially out on his own as the HIPAA man. So congratulations, Tom, on making it through a full year and uh, to many more years ahead for you. If you have any news to report, let me know so I can share it here. Alrighty then, I'm going to queue up that roundtable discussion from Amsterdam. Hold tight while I do. Gentlemen, thank thank you all for for sharing so freely because I, I know that um, I know that it's not always easy to talk about some of the stuff that that uh, you're doing and how you're thinking. But uh, I just have a couple of things I want to throw out, and you can answer them as you want. Whoever wants to jump in, please jump in. So compliance. When I say compliance, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Claire Geller. Came to mind. Claire's your compliance act. She'll speak on it tomorrow, I think, so. Right, okay. <laughs> All right. I, mean, I, think, I think for, for me, it's doing what the customer, what you've promised to do to the, for the customer, not just on a one-off basis and not just the first time, but consistent, consistently, um, regularly, and making sure that your staff are aware of what you've signed up to and committed to, and that uh, you know, the people across the whole business are aware of exactly what you're, you're contracted and empowered to do, and you know, that you need to over-deliver on that and not under-deliver. Is compliance different than security in your estimation? No, security helps to be compliant. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. I think it plays a part of the whole picture. I think security is critical across all of our businesses, um, but I think compliance puts a bigger wrap around the whole security right. piece. Okay. And every industry has their different compliance needs. So, again, I think we all spoke to the same thing. You need to listen to your clients. Right. And I, we, I see a lot of that not happening out there. And uh, I think it's important you listen to what their compliance needs are because they're not all the same. Right. Okay. And I would say compliance helps you to protect your brand also. Right. Okay. So... Uh, the EU's new data protection regulation, is that affecting any of you? 
<laughs> well, I think, I mean, for me, data regulation is a bit like the speeding limit, and unless it gets enforced, you know, I think these, some of these laws can be a bit toothless. So uh, laws are, are a good thing. We'd all welcome better regulation, but I think more than that, it's a bit like the website and promoting it. You, we much more would welcome higher enforcement of the regulations. Right. So for me, particularly in the UK market, we don't see enough high-profile enforcement. I think for us, the Information Commissioner, who is the kind of governing body in the UK, has taken a, a very a sort of conservative and consultative stance working with companies. You can't necessarily say it's the wrong strategy. Other than the fact it hasn't worked, it probably is the wrong strategy. <laughs> so actually, more hitting people with a stick than tempting them with a carrot is probably better in terms of raising market awareness and the need for proper data protection across the whole of the, the kind of data space. Right, okay. So what's changing most rapidly in the business, do you think, these days? Where, where's the most rapid evolution and change happening? Well, for us, it's, it's still the, the people wanting projects to look at their information uh, or retain their information differently. And, and, and they don't always know how they want to do that. They, just, they feel they want to get rid of paper. They feel that. Right. And when you, when you go through that uh, process with them, you realize it's not 100%. And then they suddenly realize it's not 100% when you start the conversation. Right. Yeah. And so it, it, what's changed a lot is really where do you go with... The, storage and access of that information long term and and there are a lot of different stories to that there's a lot of out, different outcomes so the, so I call that changing because we just it's different for every single person we, we talk to we, we don't have one platform we look at okay yeah I would say access I said it but uh, access to the data to the information is it's it's moving every every single minute I mean right <laughs> yeah. once you come with with an, an alternative I mean your alternative is already old-fashioned so. right yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I think Dennis spoke a little bit earlier about cost and price. You know, it's not about getting prices down, it's about getting the customer's cost down. So it's taking a kind of wider look at what their requirements are. So I think the bigger change is that people, companies, have been too focused in the past and they need to widen the scope of what they're looking at mm. and say, can we provide a more creative solution to the customer? Because, you know, it's not about getting the box rate down. You know, I think we all probably agree that box storage is going to sort of plateau and, and, and maybe take a slight drop as digitization increases and other areas of uh, electronic storage in, increase. So it's getting the balance right and making sure that you're proactive in going to the customer with those changes. Media vaulting, uh, how is that evolving? Uh, because it's, it's been one of the traditional, let's say, four services in the mix. There's hard copy, media, scanning and destruction. How, how is that piece evolving in Europe? I mean, you, you get less and less volume to store because, I mean, in the past, uh, you know, for storing X amount of data, you had uh, Y amount of tapes. Now, with uh, that single tape, you can store tons, tons of data. So you, you see more, less and less volume, but, uh, I mean, we see definitively uh, that the trend is back to store, you know, physical archive on tapes as, as a really another security way of, of protecting your so data. So you're seeing it come back again a yeah. little bit? We're seeing it back to normal growth, I would okay. say. Any, any other? I mean, for me, I think it's just coming back to the previous point that you need to be flexible so that you may have to sacrifice some media storage revenue in return for offering a map some more electronic solution for the client's day-to-day -day requirements. So they're probably never going to get rid of those old tapes. 
at some stage they might, but for, for a good number of years, you're going to keep those tapes in storage. But actually, is there a better way to meet their requirements going forward? But you've got to be brave and say, I'm going to sacrifice some storage revenue right. because I'm going to try and get the revenue from them from electronic storage. Yeah. So what kind of business are we really in? I, I mean, I know Iron Mountain is kind of moving towards a, a you know, real estate play, and some people say we're a delivery you know, we're all about delivery. What, what really kind of business are we in in records and information management? We're an information management company, but if you break it down as, as investors and, and entrepreneurs, I mean, there is, real estate is the, the largest play in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but to, to, to make that work, you have to have the services. And yeah, without the services, somebody else will make it a commodity and, and, and put it out in some farm somewhere and do it cheaper than you. Yeah. Um, so you have to still have the compliance, have the services. But we walk in, we're an information management company. We're here to help you. Right. And let's walk through what your needs are. And they're not the same, as we said. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just I would agree with that and, and add to the, the kind of, uh, you know, we see ourselves as probably data security. We, but also, you know, we're a reputational management company for our clients as well. So uh, uh, right at the beginning of the scale rather than at the end of the scale, it's what, does, what do we do that benefits our customer? and that's what we need to be. Uh, I know you talked a little bit about, uh, Anthony, a little bit about the consolidated offerings to clients. Um, how, how is that evolving, where you're going in, and are you seeing that ability to do that, to go in and offer a suite of services as opposed to just hard copy or just data or just shred? I mean, t tell me a little bit about that. We, we go in and offer it, but the, I don't know if there are challenges on it, but the buyer for it is, is different. And so we'll, we'll offer the suite of services, but unless it's a very small company, usually who we need to talk to is not the same person for each, for each item. Right. So we could be off with legal or, or facilities for different things, and, and it's, it's a challenge. We would like to do that. I think we all would like to do that. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know. I can't actually cite in my memory one that actually worked uh, with anything of size. Hmm. I think for us, it, there's two completely separate markets. There's the SME market, where absolutely the joined-up approach is much tougher, um, unless it's a micro-business. In the larger businesses, where they might sort of centralise everything through a chief information officer or that type of position, then I think you can gain more traction. And our traction has been with the bigger clients, where that, you know we've understood what they've wanted going longer term, um, and, been able, and because we've got the suite of services or we've put the suite of services together, we've been able to deliver that for them. I think that's some way off in the SME market. Um, yeah, but I think that there is a, a demand in, in the bigger companies. Uh, there's a number of uh, people in, in uh, the conference who are only in the shredding and destruction business. Um, is there significant growth opportunities do you see in that whole shredding and destruction service industry? I mean, you, yeah, you obviously yeah, are... Yeah, that's kind of my background. I mean, I still see uh, some big opportunities. I think as the awareness of data protection laws, you know, the stories in the media become more pre prevalent. Um, and also as headcount sheds in offices, you know, Dennis made a point about we're finding less paper from the same customers generally um, and less activity from the same customers. That means they've got less staff to use things like office shredders. And you know, there's all the other issues with office shredders of no audit trails and maintenance and everything else. So I think from an unvented point of view, the office shredding market is one where we would really target because you know, it costs a lot of money to stand at an office shredder and people don't have that spare right. headcount to do it. Right, are you seeing that as well? 
I would say it depends from market or countries to country. Okay. In France, not much, so, <laughs> so we don't invest too much into the shred business. Shredding. Okay. Um, so Anthony, maybe back to you on that one. Um, the the sh shred um, manufacturers are now um, making a lot more in the way of hard drive and media destruction. Is there any growth that's happening in that area? Yeah, I think so. I think we're kind of starting to see that come home now because people have been storing on, on media for a good period of time now. So some material is reaching the end of life and he's destroying. Um, people are perhaps much more conscious now than they were even two or three years ago that information contained on their hard drive could fill this room if you printed it all out. So I think there's a much greater awareness of, of data security acro across the piece. So, you know, a lot of the new trucks we're getting, oh, I've got a hard drive destroyer built got into it. it. <laughs> we would have facilities, not every facility, where we can destroy hard drives. Um, so I think that the flexibility of what you can offer within each separate data service is important. Um, so we've, you know, within the, the data shredding service, you shouldn't forget about media destruction, product destruction, or, or other areas where, and are there areas that could be, you know, profit-wise, could be potentially much greater as well. I'm going to ask a hard question. Thank you. Um, where's our Achilles heel in this industry? Where are we flawed? Well, from a, not from an information standpoint, from a long-term investment standpoint, um, where I, I feel it, especially um, in the United States, a little bit here too, is we still have, and some of you in the room, so I, this isn't against anyone or anything, it's just we still have a lot of um, small competitors out there that, that are willing to make this look like a commodity instead of a service business. And, and, and that's hurt us long term, I think, on, on recognition of trying to make this, you know, realize this is, this is service, this is, this is you know, protection, uh, retention we're going through, not just the low-cost provider where all it is is, you know, stuck out somewhere you never see it again. We need to manage this information. We need to do it professionally, and we need to add all the compliance security around it. So for me, long-term is, is the client's thinking that it's, it's not information management. It really is just storage, and uh, that's, that's what we, we try and push against a lot. So and that happens in the box storage business. That happens in shredding. So... But, but that, you think, is a potential detriment to the industry long-term? I think it has been a, a detriment. And, and I actually feel right now that it, we may be coming out of that. Okay. We may be coming out of that. And that's, that's done through awareness, education, prism, uh, right. consolidation. Right. Yeah, I would agree that you know, compliance and security are something that we really need to push out on as an industry, take it away from being a commodity, take it away from being a facility service, um, and actually raise the awareness of what could happen if they don't do, if clients don't sort of handle their data properly. I think in shredding it's different. There's the same challenges, but there's also another challenge. I think the Achilles heel in the shredding industry is the waste paper prices. Mm. And, you know, we've seen, you know, once a decade we see a big spike. And the last spike we saw combined with the recession took the market price down and it would never recover. Um, in the UK, certainly, and I think in the wider market, um, we'll never see prices back to where they should be and where they were five years ago. And then that was all because people took the waste paper price uh, and made it the key driver of their business. Right, mm -hmm. right. Dangerous. A dangerous, dangerous. thing to do. Yeah. Mark, do you have any... Uh, any yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is to educate the customer. I mean, tons of customers tend to say it's a commodity. 
And we have, as an industry, to educate them that it's not. It's a really a service industry, and we can help them to protect you know, their business, their brand, whatever. And that's, I think, the most difficult uh, challenge we do have. Because but, but I think what, what Dennis said, though, is there's a sense that we're trying to educate them that it's not a commodity, and there's also people who are saying it is. Yeah. Which is potential. But that's the difficulty of yeah. being in different markets, countries, and most competitive or not, is you have to, to first build <laughs> your, your, your brand in that market, uh, go in France and say Iron Mountain in France, it's really difficult to pronounce, you know, I mean, they, they can't do it. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, really how, do you, how do you say it then? Yeah, we just say La Montagne de Fer, so I mean, it's, it's more easy. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> and just, what's that mean? I'm, I'm just kidding. Iron Mountain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, we, you have to educate customer, and you have also to, to try to educate, I mean, your competitors or the small competitors to say that's, that will not serve you. I mean, certain time it will hurt you. So. Right, right. So what's the very best part of this business? What's the part that you love the most about it? Uh, for me, there's still lots of things to do, lots of uh, growth in front of us. And... Uh, it's a very fun business. So. Right. It's, it's very fun. It's clean, recurring revenue dollars. Can't, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I enjoy doing a you know, great job for our customers, but the long-term revenue stream, particularly in the record storage business, you, know, you can properly build a business on the back of contracted long-term revenues. So, you know, the records business particularly is very hard won, but very hard lost. So it's worth putting the effort in into the sales and the customer service to win those customers in the first place because right. you know you can build the long-term uh, success of your business on that. Right. So what's the hardest part of this business? Winning those long-term yes, contracts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that, you know, it's, uh, it's a maturing market, the records business, I, I, I believe. Right. So it's, it's winning the new contracts in the first place. But also, uh, touched on earlier, being brave enough to go to the customers and maybe taking a, a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain in terms of maybe you know, giving up some of your box storage revenue in return for some digitization revenue or some extra shredding revenue and, and seeing a bigger picture. Um, okay. And sometimes you've got to be very brave to do that. Okay. Um, so what's the most important business skill that someone needs? And, and you all obviously have been very successful, but to talk to somebody, what's the most important business skill they need to build a profitable and really highly effective records and information management services business, including all of the different aspects of it? Besides understanding wife that I'm never home for. Um, <laughs> uh, Skills-wise, it's... I hate to say this in front of all these professionals that have worked hard here, but this is not a difficult business. That's, that's one reason I love it, and that's probably one reason I've been successful at it. Um, and the reality is, I think it's, it's a business you have to absolutely know your numbers really, really well. I'm a numbers person. Yes, you have to sell it, and we can hire people and train people to do that, but if, if as owners and managers you don't understand your costs, your drivers, uh, this is where you can get out of whack in this business very quickly. Very as long as you're paying attention, uh, attention to detail, uh, to those numbers, it's, it's not difficult. Okay. So numbers? Yeah, numbers I mean, like numbers critical, you know, making sure you know what it costs you to send your driver out, what it costs you to put a box on the shelf, critical. You know, providing great service to your customers is, you know, really important. That doesn't mean doing everything they want. 
because I think sometimes you can then be a busy fool, um, but it means making them aware of, of, of what your services are and what you can do really well and not being afraid no, to say no to certain things as well. Okay, Mark? I, I would have the vision, uh, leadership, hmm. and financial sustainability. These, hmm. these are key for that business. All right. And the final question, and this is uh, one that I want you to offer from your, generos your generosity and your, your willingness to help. Uh, what's the most important unselfish piece of advice that you would give to everyone in the room today? Unselfishly, just give the very best piece of advice you can. Don't dump price. Don't dump price. Yeah, don't do price dumping. <laughs> it's, okay. It will not serve you. I mean, this is uh, not helping the industry. Okay. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a somewhat selfish person. Yeah. <laughs> Don't target my customers. Um, <laughs> That's just going all these all selfish. Yeah. Those are all Yours very selfish. selfish too. <laughs> no, I mean, on a... On a Highly selfish. <laughs> I mean, Don't I think on a, on a more serious note, we've, you know, the three of us have touched in different areas about the importance of you know, sales and strategy and finance. And so I think if, you, uh, if you're in this business or you're going into this business, having a clear business plan is really important, you know, making sure that it's not just about the numbers, it's you know, how you're going to wow your customers and what strategies you're going to use to go forward, you know, and really spend the time you need to do that properly and go, go back to it. Don't just do it as a document that you do because you feel you have to do once a year, but really refer back to it on a regular basis to make sure that the, the goals you've set yourself, you've achieved, mm. um, and then maybe they need resetting. Um, you know, I, think I, see, I see that as an evolving process, not just as a, a one-off, once-a-year process. So you know, get the planning right and go back to that. Use that as your document to build your business on. Okay. That's great. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, and coming off of, of um, Anthony there, it's the same thing. I've said it several times. You have to do the plan. You have to know these numbers. And, there's, and, and to add on to what we've said it before again, though, the, and I, I have actually spoken on how to get started in this business, it's, it, your, your buildings, your costs, and your contracts are, are so huge. And uh, I still see companies we look at today that didn't put enough information uh, or time and effort in building that long-term strategy around it. So get back to looking at that uh, and do it often. And, and by the way, Get your team involved. I see way too many entrepreneurs or um, hubs and wife teams, they don't tell their team anything. They're afraid to tell them what's going on in the business. I'm a big believer in sharing the information and sharing the numbers. And, and by the way, sharing in the profits. So that would be my unselfish way to do it. That's great. That's great. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I think just to add to that, that's absolutely critical, is that people say, oh, communication is bad in our business. Well, you've got a bad business then because communication is everything in the business. Mm -hmm. So you've got to make sure that you do cascade the information and you share the information and make sure that people are part of, the, of your project and your future strategy. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to say, and I, I hope you share this with me, that I'm, I'm very appreciative of the, the willingness of the three of you to, to share openly today. I, I feel like it's been very beneficial. Would you agree? All right. Let's thank them. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That's the end of the RimPro Live replays from Europe. 
I hope that you have found this little series uh, that we conducted at the conference in Europe to be really valuable to you. I, I know it was really helpful for everyone who was in attendance uh, at the conference, and I hope that the replay of the in individual interviews as well as this uh, final roundup uh, roundtable roundup was actually valuable to you as well. And thanks to you for joining us. I appreciate you coming every week. I know we're in the holiday season now. And so I, I wish for you and yours a wonderful holiday season. Finally, let me express my personal thanks to my good friends at O'Neill Software who sponsor the show. What a gift that's been to us here at the RimPro Report. Uh, with lots of cool new things happening at O'Neill, what it continues to impress me about them is that unquenchable dedication to building great products, exceptional customer support and service. Great people doing great work to support your RIM service business. And I strongly encourage you to check them out at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for today. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with the last show of the year. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.